feelings are usually more than we'd like to admit influenced by other superficial characteristics. Like who am I to tell a guy he can't go get hit by a baseball bat to make 20 bucks? A significant amount of comedy is based around the idea that we have no idea how to understand one another's feelings. Let's see, we've got candy, stuffed animals, flowers, like what are, what, what are we gonna do today? Philosophers. Philosophers. So, David, I was talking to uh, someone this week, and they brought up something that I think we should talk about. What's that? Uh, so, in this conversation, we were talking about relationships and about how they think it's ridiculous that some people care about how much their partner or their future partner, I guess in this case, makes, how much money they make. Okay. And uh and their their whole take was, oh, if you care all about that, then you're just doing it for the money, you know? Um Yeah. And that got me to thinking about people doing things for the money. Let's talk about doing it for the money. Let's talk about doing it for the money. <laughs> what is so wrong about doing it for the money? Uh well, I, I, I think we both agree there's nothing wrong with doing things for money. Um, but it definitely upsets people's uh, aesthetic preferences and a lot of things. Um, so in the case of a relationship, yeah, there's definitely the, the prevalent in our in Western culture fantasy of, uh, you know, a couple who loves each other for, you know, their entire adult lives. Um, just because, uh, reasons, because feelings, they just love each other so much that so they stick together forever. But, uh, the reality on the ground is that's usually not why people get together. Um, there certainly are feelings involved usually. Um, but those, those feelings are usually more than we'd like to admit influenced by other superficial characteristics. Yeah. And one of those is how much money do they make? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the conversation did kind of go on to one other interesting thing, I think, related to this, which is what is that money you represent and not what does the money represent, but like the capability of earning money, which all that isn't so much the conversation at hand. I do think that is another interesting thing too. Like, <clears throat> I think there's a couple of factors going on as to why people might feel bad about this. I think in specific Specifically in relationships, you know, I definitely think that we live in a society in which literally relationships have been romanticized, which is yes, funny uh, to, to put it that way. But uh, most of us grow up and our first interaction with and conceptions of what a relationship are is outside of the relationships that we witness in our parents or relatives. Um is stories like yes like like for example you're not there to witness your parents quote unquote falling in love and then things happen then you happen and then you're able to perceive and understand to some degree your surroundings right when you're young you don't have the you know, relationships take time and you're not you have a short attention span so mm -hmm. most of your exposure to what a good relationship is comes in the form of like i'm gonna watch a disney princess movie which Disney princess movies in particular 
almost always have a romantic subplot. It's part of the formula. Yes. And in a clean 85 minutes, you can get a full understanding of how people fall in love and then have relationships. And then more importantly, understand that it's happily ever after. And we don't need to show any further details. It's going to be fine. Just trust us, bro. I I swear. Right. It's, it's been so well thus far. How could it possibly go wrong? Right. Uh, And so I think that's where a lot of our ideas about, romance come from is media and fairy tales yeah although i do think it's interesting um this weird anecdote so my wife and i actually watched a romantic comedy this week um my wife was ill and when she's sick she likes to watch sappy movies for some reason um so we watched this movie called ever after i'm sure you've never seen it it's not no i have not seen it uh, starring Drew Barrymore, of course, because this was, I think, in the 90s this movie came out. But it was a retelling of the Cinderella story, essentially. Okay. Um, but it was, same thing. All the same hallmarks, you know, of a uh, Disney princess story movie. And, uh, you know, guy doing his own thing. Prince guy doesn't want to be a prince, whatever. Runs into girl who is a servant. And she's happy being a servant, but hates the high society life as well that her stepmother is involved in blah, blah, blah. Um, they find each other intriguing for things outside of their stations. And then they're just so drawn to each other that they can't think of any other way, but to be together and they overcome all boundaries. And that's what love is. It overcomes all the boundaries (laughs) and it just works. The fact that he is a (laughs) prince of heir apparent to the throne of France has nothing to do with it. (laughs) Of course. Right. He's just a guy. That is interested in her and she couldn't care about him from the start, you know, just normal thing. But I do feel like this, the story would be a bit different <laughs> if uh, we changed the roles up a bit, you know? Um, I think uh, a parallel story that I have seen and I am sure most of our audience has seen as well, Aladdin. Mm. Um, Aladdin's actually pretty good. It's kind of based when you think about it. Yes. Um and so, and and of course, the story in Aladdin does eventually develop into what you know. Princess Jasmine feels betrayed that Aladdin has lied about his identity, or that he's but poor. the realistic picture here is that she would not have cared about him had he just always stayed his his you know street thief self, right? Um, you know, and, and of course, the 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 overarching moral of the story is that you know sometimes rules need to be broken. Just because things are tradition doesn't mean that they're good. Right. Because she doesn't like that she's being forced into an arranged marriage or something like that. But the only reason she really gives him a chance in the beginning is because he shows up with a parade. Um. Well, actually, see, okay, she doesn't care for the for the parade, but you know the the whole magic carpet ride thing is is where the whole romance begins. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um. You're absolutely right. It's it, <laughs> how can you compete with that? Right. I mean, even when he was poor, he still had a monkey sidekick, which was impressive. Yes, but he still had to level up, get a genie. You know. <laughs> um. One thing we were also talking about right before we decided on this as the topic was that, you know, in a jaundiced way, maybe to some that already think this is ridiculous that you should just do for the money, at least you have some control over some of that. You know, uh, we were talking about how, you know, if, if you did find yourself in a relationship in which you realized that the your in, your ability to generate income was a significant factor, well, at least you have some control over your degrees of income. You can make choices, and it's not like you have to go uncover some new 
found secret. You don't even have to go find a genie and get a magic carpet to improve your circumstance in the West, at least. You you can convert your time to more money. You can convert your time to education into more money, uh, skills into more money. Like there are things you can do to ensure you have, you know, steady income, and more appropriately, most of the time in relationships, it's not that someone's with you because of the money that you better have at some point. It's for the money you have now. So as long as you're even able to stay where you are, which is should be easy, you'll be fine, you know, and that's more certain than making sure that someone else's feelings stay the same way because feelings are complicated. Uh, yes. You mean, you can't control your own feelings, much less someone else's, you know. Um, I think human beings are able to influence how other people feel, obviously. Um, but it's a lot Only less Only to certain. a certain degree. Like, why... I feel like... You know, I, I would have to quantify this somehow, but my perception is that a significant amount of comedy is based around the idea that we have no idea how to understand one another's feelings, right? Yeah. Especially intergender, for sure. Yes, that 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 is usually where it goes as yeah, women am I right? Like, yeah, <laughs> because stupid monkey man here doesn't understand this complex organism. Um Oh yeah. I mean, how many times have has you seen the story of guy does the same thing every day for a week? And his wife's totally fine with it, has zero problems. But because something happens to her, or she thought of something randomly, or she was exposed to... I've actually watched this happen to my wife. It's hilarious. <clears throat> I I had gone to work all week, come home. We would watch some TV, eat dinner, do some chores, go to bed. Like, our normal routine. All week. And then on, like, Thursday or something like that, we're sitting there and she's watching one of her reality TV shows. And one of the guys does something really sweet. And for his wife in the show or whatever. And they like go on a surprise vacation or whatever. And we watch the episode and it's totally fine. You know where this is going. It's totally fine and everything. And we go to bed. The next day I come in and I say, hey, you know, let's have dinner or whatever. And she's just kind of upset. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, we just never go anywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't have a problem with it until you watched until something Until you on saw TV. somebody else go on vacation and you're like... We didn't go on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you. Know, when's the last time we went on a date? It's like you. you and and, and when's the, the last time you wanted to go on a date? Besides now, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, and more importantly, it's not that. And this is the most fundamental thing that I think is fascinating. It. Okay, David, which is better? I buy you something that you want that you didn't have to tell me you wanted. I just figured it out right through esp or something versus you saying hey man my birthday's coming up if you wanted to get me something i like i really like this thing over here but you don't have to it's fine right right if i got it for you you'd be you'd still be happy that i got it for you you know you'd be like oh thanks i really appreciate it that was a really nice thing that you did for me but if you didn't have to tell me wow it's different so there's this weird rule where it's like, I can't tell you I want it, but you have to figure it out. And you figuring it out is the real sweet part. So my my life hack, <laughs> life advice on philosophers. Oh, here we go. How I get around this. Um, so, so yes, it take the people, people like to be surprised to a degree, but also you don't want to be surprised by something that actually disappoints you. Sure. Um, and 
and obviously it's irrational to believe that someone can read your mind and get you exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. So my strategy for this is for, for people that I expect might actually want to buy me something. Um, instead of saying, Hey, you know, whatever's coming up, you should get me this. I'll say, whatever's coming up, here are some things that I have been looking at lately. Mm. But see, that's still too, that's, that's not the same. It's, Okay. Well, okay. It works for me. Yeah. Because I still don't know what I'm getting. Yeah, but the thing is, is you still. But have... I also do know that I'm going to be pleased with what I get. Sure. But from the reception side, as a man, that makes total sense. But for my wife, it's simply not acceptable. Right. Like I have to just know. And I'll tell you right now, I have invested serious money into just having things in a place that she's not aware of in the house, just to be prepared. It's like, oh, okay, uh, open closet, open chest that's locked. Let's see, we've got candy, stuffed animals, flowers. Like, what What? what are we going to do today? Like, I, and let me just tell you, it's more like a casino, and Skinner boxes are incredibly effective, um, especially when used for good. So that was a weird tangent to be down. But um, but no, I mean, back to doing it for the money. <laughs> um, yes, yes, that's what we were talking about. Uh, but yeah, it's... At the end of the day, you know, it, I, I don't think there's anything, at least it's somewhat to some degree stable. Like, I, if, if I make so much money, when if, you, if you're making $60,000 a year when you get married, mm-hmm. and you never make a dime more, at least if, if, the part, if your partner's in it for the money, well, at least you can control that easier than trying to devise weird Skinner boxes and things like that to try to continue, you know stoking the flames of the you know the passionate wonder that is a relationship so i, I don't know to, to me it makes sense to you know to base some value in it um i could agree to some i can agree to some degree that when money is the only motivating factor it makes the competition very unilateral though so for example you know uh if you if the person you're interested in just says they will be in a relationship with whomever provides them the most money well you're spoiler alert you're married to a prostitute and uh, right i was going <laughs> to say know? like it's some yeah if if truly all they care about is the money and you know this then basically you're just hiring a long-term prostitute exactly um which is not what most people want um no. So, yes, you definitely want more than the money, but it doesn't totally devalue the relationship for money to be a factor. I mean, it, okay, it's just like men who want a wife that looks pretty, right? Yeah. You're not necessarily saying, if I find someone who's prettier than you, goodbye. <laughs> um, but it's like... But also, I would be disappointed and less satisfied with my relationship if you gained 80 pounds. Like, yep, just to be honest. It, like, just to be honest. Like, that is how I feel. Yes. Right. <laughs> and you know what's funny? So, there's a, I think there's another place where this attitude has changed a bit in time. So, there was a... Okay. So, how many times have you heard in history, maybe more historically, people talk about company loyalty? Mm. So, I remember listening to my union grandfather talk about it, how company loyalty is something that 
people used to have. You would stay with your company and you may skip a pay raise to make sure the company survives, you know. And on the one hand, I can see the calculus, right? If I skip a paycheck, but it guarantees me raises and job security in the future as an exchange, that's mm-hmm. a that's a calculus I can do. Mm-hmm. But how imagine going to almost any job today and when a 20 something or 30 something asks for a raise and your boss turns to you and says, well, you know, we're going through a hard time right now. We would really appreciate your company loyalty for no exchange and a raise or anything like that. And I imagine most people would be like, oh, well, F that, you know, I'm going to go do what I want to do anyway. So and no one would say that they're well, in the wrong. I mean, also like corporate culture has changed a lot since those times as well. So it's not, it's not just that, oh, people aren't loyal to companies anymore. Companies aren't loyal to their people anymore either. No. You used to get a pension if yes. you worked at a, at a big company like that and, and it survived for a long time, right? Like they would continue paying you after you retired. Um, and that is just not something anyone offers anymore. No. So you're expected yeah, to take why care should of yourself. I swear my allegiance to this company when they don't really care about me after I'm done working for them anyway? Right. And and most people nowadays do see jobs as doing it for the money. Like, why yes. do you do this job for the money? Right. My my work is not the meaning of my life, right? Well, okay. Yes, I agree. But I do think we do need to talk about the people who... There's like this weird double standard where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm just doing this for the money. But I would love to have a job that I didn't just do for the money. That Well, I think everyone... Wa- Again, it's the fantasy, <laughs> right? We yeah. all want a job that we don't just do for the money. But reality is different. Ultimately, I need slash want money for the other things that I want to do in my life, including not dying. Um, so, right. yes, I am in it for the money. What are your thoughts on the this idea that once people achieve a certain level of income, money becomes less important? I mean, that's true. Do you think it's always true? Well, or does okay, it like define less important. I mean... Like, like like this, like uh, like this. So you're working a job that you like and you're making $100,000 a year, mm-hmm. right? Which is, for most people, that would be a good amount. That's yes. You could live comfortably middle class, depending on whether or not you're in a dual income household, whatever. That's comfortable money. Like, that's nothing yes. to sneeze at. Most people would be very, very happy with that income. Yes, most people want that, yes. And uh, you'll do a job that you like. But <clears throat> compare that to I'm gonna I want you to do a job that you would not like that you would be twice as displeased with but I'll double the income now I would think most people and then compare that situation to you're making $50,000 a year and you like your job but I'll offer you a job that's twice as displeasing for twice the pay mm-hmm. I think the way the curves are not linear for for this decision no, because 50,000 is enough right um in most places uh so yeah, if if I'm actually going to be miserable at this at this other job, but I'm making a hundred thousand, it may still not be worth it to me. Yeah, because the, the yeah, it's not it's diminishing returns. So the amount of value that I get from the first fifty thousand dollars is a lot more than the value I get from the second fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, because part of the first fifty thousand dollars is my entire life, right? Yeah, you know, having a place to stay in, right, and the second fifty thousand dollars is maybe staying in a nicer place, right? But mm-hmm. I still have a place with the fifty thousand, right? Um, but what about the jump from one to two hundred thousand for double? D- does 
if I'm increasing linearly the scales of the displeasure of the job and the pay, at what point does it no longer make sense to double my income to double my displeasure, right? Like how displeasurable does a job have to be or how much more does double the money have to be for it to, to matter? Yeah, obviously this is just going to come down to personal opinions. Right. But I think that we would all agree that there comes a point where it's like there is you you'll hit the ceiling of distaste long before you hit the floor of income. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there are certain jobs that people wouldn't do if I paid them millions of dollars a year. Right. Because at, at that point, the money just becomes abstract and you're just overwhelmed with the, oh, my God, I actually have to do this. Right. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess that makes sense. But at the same time, you know, I'm also the kind of person where it's like, it, I, I personally am of the belief that your job, there is no such thing as a job that you love so much that you would take any amount of money to do above the minimum threshold, uh, down to the minimum threshold of mm. like what it takes to subsist on. Like, I can actually not think of a job I would love doing so much that I would take $50,000 a year to do. Right? Mm. I I personally don't. Like, I would always rather move to a job that pays more as long as it was just not like infinitely more displeasurable. Like, I don't know. But I guess that's just a subjective difference in where the limit is. Where yeah. it's like, what maybe $50,000 below my minimum acceptable threshold for like, okay, I'm good to stay here. This is fine. You know? And I think most people, when you look at income i think they if you i think if you were to track people's income and happiness over their lifetime i think most people actually don't make the most amount of money at their last job they i think most people will actually make more money at one point in their life but then take a pay cut at some point in their life to find that better place mm-hmm. um and i think that's wherever you peaked out at and then dropped back down to that's what your acceptable threshold is yeah. and you don't know what that is until later in life but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it would be worth it. But in, in my mind, it's, you're not so much looking at it for the money. You're, you're never looking for the satisfaction in the job. You're more or less looking to see how dissatisfying your job is uh, compared because the job at the end of the day is just something you do for the money. And I think it's a bit, I don't know. I, whenever I hear people talk about and I hear people who are in college getting ready to go to college, you know, young people talk about this way more than people who are actually in the workforce about how they're scared to get a job almost because they're a, it may not be the perfect job. And it's like, who, this is ridiculous. You're wasting time. Like you're actually wasting some of the most productive years of your life trying to figure it out when you would have been better off literally just taking the first job that came up. I'm not saying you just take the first job, but if you don't know and you spent more than like three months trying to figure it out, you should probably just take a job because that job will help you figure it out, you know, faster than you just sitting there on your couch wondering whether you should go back to school or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just do it for the money. Because yep. with money comes options at the end of the day. Yeah, it brings you other options that you may prefer. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> now, not all jobs, though, people have this... And that's in the job, like you doing the job. But people's perspective of the job from the outside, I think, is interesting because we don't treat all jobs as just doing it for the money jobs. And it isn't always related to pay either. Um. Good example. Most people look at a fast food worker and say, yep, they're just doing it for the money. I understand it. I get it. Right. Like if my food isn't perfect, if they're a little late to work, 
man, give them a break. They're just doing this for the money. Right. They're not showing up because they take pride in making a great sandwich, right? <laughs> right. Um, but if you're a doctor, you would feel kind of people get kind of weird when they're like, oh, my doctor is just doing this for the money. Right. It's like, what? You don't want diff- to make my life as great as possible? Yeah. Yeah. Um, teachers is another low income example. Oh, well to be a teacher, you can't just want to do it for the money. And I know why they say that because they make more than they deserve. But, um, but people look at it that way is like, Oh, they don't make a lot of money. So you must have to want to do it. It's like, or it's easy. Um, right. But there's a couple other, other couple key examples. I think, um, fire, uh, sorry, uh, firefighters, police officers, and military personnel. Mm Mm-hmm. Military personnel specifically is an interesting one in which people get real squinty eyed when people say, so why'd you join the military? I wanted the money, Uh, the money and the benefits. You didn't do it to serve your country, but I thanked you for your service. It's like, oh, you already did. I got paid. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's what the money was for. Yeah. Um, Which kind of leads us to one of the things that we were wanting to talk about (laughs) with this. What's so wrong with someone only doing it for the money and not for their country in the form of a private military contractor? Because mm-hmm. people have very interesting opinions about private military contractors. Yeah. What are your thoughts on private military contractors? I mean, it makes little difference to me, really. I guess they're, well, as a taxpayer. <laughs> As the taxpayer. <laughs> uh, I I don't actually know how the balance sheet of the, the U.S. military budget looks, but... Big. Well, I know it's big. <laughs> um, so, given that private military contractors exist, and the reason they do this is because they can make more money, that, that stands to reason, then, that it costs more money... It costs me, personally, more money for us to hire private militaries to do stuff than to have uh, a standing army, right? Mm-hmm. At least for a particular mission, right? The difference is that when the mission is over, you stop paying the private military contractor because they're not doing anything for you. But the standing army has a salary. Yeah. Um. So that that they're constantly taking money, right? Uh, the standing army is. So I don't know. I I from from that perspective, I'm only caring about it from numbers because ultimately the government is sending people on missions for money to go kill people or whatever. Yeah. Um. Complete objectives, we'll say. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it makes a little difference to me in that context other than I want to spend as little money as possible on war. Yeah, um, no, I agree. So, yeah, that's my opinion on on private military contractors. See, I, I actually like the idea of the private military contractor. I really do. And this is, and it's mostly because while they are hourly... <laughs> technically uh, so are soldiers but you get to stop paying them when they do their job yeah and that incentivizes the completion of the objective is one so for example let's say the u.s military the united states government passed a law that we do not have a standing army we have to pay pmcs and they're expensive how many military bases do you think we would have to maintain and operate around the world if we didn't have all this funding and soldiers that we needed to be doing something with 
all yeah, the time. Uh, none. None. You, if, if you wanted to go pick a fight in the Middle East, you would say, all right, we're going to carpet bomb the crap out of this country. We're going to kill this dictator and topple this regime. And when it's all said and done, you cut the checks and you're done. You walk away. You know, you don't need to keep military bases behind because they're expensive. Mission accomplished. Or, and this is the other interesting thing, you have to actually budget for your wars now. Mm-hmm. You don't already have the budget cut for you every year. Yeah, there's no military budget. Use. It's like, hmm, okay, now we're faced with this potential conflict. What's it going to cost for us to actually do what we want to do? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe the cheaper option is to just bribe someone or something. Right. Yeah, like, find a way that's not war to do it. Yeah. Yeah, like good example. If there's a dictator in the Middle East doing things you don't like, how would it be easier to it just... It would probably be cheaper to just pay him not to do it. Right. Than to have an army standing by at all times to maybe go do something about it. Yeah, to maybe go do something <laughs> about it, you know. Or maybe it's cheaper to pay someone else in that country, one of his generals, to just topple him instead. To mutiny, yeah. Yeah, and then he's more amenable to what you want. I'm just saying, as the taxpayer who sees the U.S. military running around doing all kinds of crap all over the planet, wouldn't it? I just feel like we should be looking at other options that are not the military to do that. And right. also we probably make a lot fewer enemies doing that too. And even if we aren't the ones that come up with the idea, imagine you're a private military contractor who's got in, who's tasked with going after some regime and some poor yeah, African nation. The mission is to topple this regime. Right. But it doesn't matter how you do it. Right. It only matters that the mission is, is done. Yes. So imagine the U S government's going to pay you $150 million to go topple a regime. And you look at this money and you go, hmm, I can use this money to, because this is the thing I guess most people also don't realize about private military contractors. Uh, it's not like these people operate standing armies either, because they don't want to. And it's expensive. Right, it's expensive, yeah. No, they want to get people up and say, hey, you want to go do a job? And when we're done, we get paid and you go home? Yeah, cool, let's do it. So when they're paying a private military contractor $150 million, it's not so that they can keep their army. It's so that they can go raise one real quick and do the thing that they yeah. need to do and then be done with it, right? So if I'm the guy in head of the PMC and I get paid $150 million and I look at the budget for what it would take to topple that government and say, man, this is going to cost me $100 million. But if I just call up that dictator tomorrow or one of his goons and say, hey, I'll pay you $50 million to just not. Oh, you'll take it? Cool. Send him $50 million and they're done and cool accomplished. i put 100 million dollars in my pocket as opposed to 50 doing it the other way yeah. yeah so it takes the decision it it you it lets it lets economics solve problems mm -hmm. the way it's supposed to you know the cheapest solution will arise you know and uh yeah so i i personally don't have an issue with it and um i do get the whole critique of like or these are just sanctioned murderers that we pay. I'm like, cool. You've also just described standing armies. What's so. the army? Yeah. Yeah. That's literally <laughs> the same thing. Uh, because I guarantee you most of them. And, and hear me out. Only one of the two things can be true in this case. Either you're ripping off people by and fooling them into thinking it's for their country just so you can pay them less. Mm -hmm. Or they're paid killers. You cannot be both. Because no one agrees that the military personnel are paid enough but they also don't want them to be. So it's like one way or the other, they're a paid killer. They're either a paid killer or you're screwing them over. Neither can, they're mutually exclusive. Yeah. So I don't know. I see nothing wrong with doing it for the money and uh, in that way. So get out there and 
get paid. Yep. Make things happen. Um, now, one other thing that people, where does the phrase doing it for the money comes from? Or I work hard for the money. That's kind of a joke phrase, I think, that uh, is often relayed to things like sex work, hmm. for example. Okay. Um, without going too deep into the topic, because I don't know how friendly this topic is to most listeners. That's a, that's a, I don't know. What, what are you, we can, I guess we can broaden it. What are your thoughts on people and occupations in which people get paid to essentially be morally dubious? Um, so this could be like people who are paid money to just like sate some kind of like macabre or, you know, moral fascination. Like good example, like there are people who uh, back in the 20s and 30s would let you like hit them with a baseball bat for 20 bucks. Like, what do you think about mm. that whole thing? Because in general, I I can take issue with... I, to me, I think the issue people have is the things that they're doing, not that they're getting paid, right? Like, if they weren't getting paid, you would still be like, but why do that, though? Yeah. And the money is... Is the money an excuse? Is it a good excuse? Is it still bad? You know? like Because I'm kind of of the opinion that most of the things that people look at in that way... I'm just kind of like, yeah, but you you can leave the money out of it. The thing that they're doing is the thing you have a moral issue with. It's not that they're getting paid. I don't think getting paid makes it any better or worse necessarily. Mm-hmm. Or in, for some, I think it they it makes it better, and for some, it's worse. But it averages out to be about the same. You know what I mean? Like, who am I to tell a guy he can't go get hit by a baseball bat to get to make twenty bucks? I just think that that's dumb. Yeah, I think it's stupid. Um. But yeah, but also like, who are you to take that option away from somebody, right? Sure. It's like, I need $20 right now and I have this baseball bat. <laughs> and I've got really strong shins, so. <laughs> or your issue can be with the person who would pay money to hit someone with a baseball bat. That That is who I take more of an issue with. It's like, you're the kind of person who would just pay money to beat somebody up. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of weird. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not it's not the person accepting the money. It's the one paying to do it that I, that I judge. I think that's true of sex work as well honestly yeah um no I, I tend to agree i i don't think that we should prohibit things like that but if you had to prohibit it one side or the other i have always been more of a fan of the illegal to buy not illegal to sell kind of idea right because uh ultimately it's the demand i think the option should it. be available to you to make money that way but yes it is questionable whether you should pay for those services yeah <laughs> yeah like, which person is more icky to you? The person who does it for the money or the person who solicits it, you know? Right, yeah. That, that I think, I, actually, now that I think about it, I I think there's a pretty even crowd of people who would disagree as to which one's ickier. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's sad to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, the money, I don't think, is what makes it bad. I think it's the thing, right? Yeah. Um. Which I guess leads down to, I think, one of the things that is kind of surrounding all of these things is that there are some people that you'll never make happy, that they think that they they misquote and say that money is the root of all evil, right? That's mm-hmm. not what the quote is, right? That's, fam- that's you, the quote that I've heard. Uh, you, I, I've always heard the original was supposed to be that the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, that's fair. I, 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 okay, I'm not a historian here. I'm not going to say. Me either. But... I was 
I am I have it on authority, not good or anything, but that someone said the original <laughs> phrase was the love of money is the root of all evil, i.e. greed. Yes. But people have taken that to just mean that money is the root of all evil. And I don't know. I I just disagree. Money is just a thing. It just represents different things to different people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, money is just another thing of value. Like, because yeah, you can say, okay, people are willing to do some twisted stuff for money, but it, but if there were no money, they'd be willing to do that twisted stuff for something else. For pigs or goats or yeah, chickens. whatever, whatever thing is serving the function of money. Right. Um. I just. All right, I'm gonna. I got a bone to pick with okay. people. <laughs> I, I this is the biggest bone I have to pick with people who want to live in communes ultimately okay. at the end of the day right because these are the these are the people who think money is gross because they don't understand money um, it's like man people should just do things because they want to or they should do them people should do things for reasons other than money and I'm like you idiot they already do because People don't actually do things for money. They do things for the things that money can get them. Yes. Yeah. People already. Yeah. It, it's exactly right. But yeah. Again, back to the, back to the, the job thing. It's like, I don't do, yeah, I don't do my job for money. I do my job for a place to stay and food. Right. right. That's what I actually care about. Or toys or whatever. Or, yeah. Or, or whatever, whatever things I want to get into. But, um, yeah, it's not that. Yeah, money is just a piece of paper, or increasingly a number in a computer somewhere. Yeah, like it's that is meaningless to me, except for what it can get me. Right. You know, and I think that if we go all the way back to the thing we first discussed, it's obvious. You know, your first thirty, forty thousand dollars is a you being it represents you being alive, like you being able to feed yourself clothe yourself provide right. a home for being yourself. a contributor to society right well, well uh, not by even contributor that. i just mean like a proper participant and not a drain yeah right? yeah you caring for yourself right and not being a drain that's what's your first 30 that that in my mind that should be the poverty level is whatever it takes for you to be fed housed whatever for yourself if you are achieving those things you are above the poverty line right you're in my it. mind yeah you know you're making it you're getting by okay but the next the bit you know the next little bit of money goes to the things you don't need necessarily but you kind of need you know you may not need a car but man it sure opens up some more options for you yeah. you know you don't need an education but man it improves the quality of your life you know more so than just buying a TV does, yeah, you know, in in a way that feeds into the the you know the positive life cycle. Yeah, you know. So the next, however much money feeds into that, but then after a while, you know, you'll make us you, you make enough money that okay, even if someone offered me five hundred more dollars, it's like for what? Like I guess I could put it back. You know, it's better to have it and not need it, but. When, once you start using your, your income on things like, you know, I'm going to buy organic chicken as opposed to regular chicken. Right. Or a chicken that was raised on a farm where it was able to walk around. It's like, okay, cool. You're spending money on essentially just pure preference that has no real measurement and difference in your life. Mm -hmm. 
you know. Uh, I do think the one thing that most people, though, skip over and forget, which is, again, not the topic of this episode, but maybe should be one at some point. We we just need to do an episode at some point on, like, priorities you should have for your life. Like, what it, what does the actual calculus of being a contributing member of society look like? Mm. Because I think the one thing that no one, even I didn't mention in this, that most people don't ever factor in is um, putting away for when you're old. Because no one likes yes. to think about being old. Like... People have this messed up idea that, oh, yeah, I just need to be able to take care of myself so long as I'm able to take care of myself. But once I'm no longer able to take care of myself, I'm someone else's responsibility. No. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you see, should take I, care of future you, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people don't think about future them, you know, because that guy may not be. You don't know how long that person's going to be around for. You know? No. But you should be ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's the classic joke. Had I known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. Um, yeah I don't know I'm I'm sorry I'm still mad at commies people <laughs> okay commies. let's uh let's change gears another thing that people get upset about when people do it for the money art various forms of art being a sellout ooh that's a good one I didn't even think of that mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on sellouts <laughs> <laughs> um it depends. There's good and bad ways to be a sellout, I think. Okay. Um, well, it, also, I guess it depends on how you define sellout, right? So, because uh, there, there are plenty of examples of artists that have made it, you could say, um, and and therefore have a career doing art and so are doing it for the money, you could say. Um, but they don't have these quite the same drawbacks as true sellouts might. So... I'm I'm struggling to think of like a proper artist, but maybe a, a parallel here is online content creators. Oh yeah. Um so think about a YouTube channel like Vsauce. Um Vsauce makes quality videos and pretty much always has. Um and I'm sure Michael makes a fair amount of, of money from from his work. Mm-hmm. Um and he does side things to make extra money. Uh, now that he's famous for doing that. Um, but I, I would struggle to call him a sellout for doing so. Compare that to the kind of people... And, and okay, and another another mark that doesn't put him... That, that doesn't... Another aspect of his channel that does not mark him as a sellout to me is how infrequently he posts videos now. Right? He's not, like, trying to get in on the weekly cycle to milk more money out of his... Right. success and that's that's to me what sellouts do it's like okay now i have made it people know who i am so now i'm going to follow the week i'm gonna stop and just put out something every week to give or multiple times a week to give people something to watch so that i can squeeze a little bit more money out of this audience that i've got yeah i'm gonna stop optimizing for quality of content and start optimizing for what the algorithmic money printing machine wants Right, which is why your YouTube feed is full of a dozen different channels talking about the same thing. Yeah. Um, because they're all doing that. They're all sellouts. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's annoying. I don't appreciate that kind of selloutery, if you will. No, I don't. We're, we're kind of going through that right now, I think, with... Uh, I've been a big fan of the LawTube mm. space for a yes. while. And uh, it's interesting because I've, I learned about... About a dozen creators that they're all lawyers that make law videos, but 
every time there's a thing that happens, they all cover it and they're all covering the same couple of topics every It's like, day. why should I watch every single one of your takes on this thing? Yeah, and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I watch my favorite one yep. and assume that the rest either agree or don't matter. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, that's an interesting one. I, I think that... I honestly don't think there's a... From the economic perspective i will say there is a right and a wrong way to sell out Mm -hmm. because i think that ultimately if you sell out in the wrong way and you start optimizing for income you're gonna lose the core base which is the thing that leads to the long standing staying power of income like michael for example probably has really good retention because he continues to make things that meet the standard that he set for himself Mm -hmm. Um, another good one would be like smarter every day. Mm-hmm. He makes quality videos all the time and he will go, he will do whatever he needs to do that. And so the people that watch him are loyal to him in that way because they can, they're getting a good quality. Like you, you can, it's in my mind, no different than people who like roast coffee for a living versus people who make YouTube videos especially now that roasting coffee has become one of those things that you can easily get into as a business venture, by the way, with very little money. Like you can mm-hmm. spend maybe $1,200, $1,500 to buy a small commercial grade roaster and then start importing coffee beans and roasting them yourself and then backing them up and selling them, right? Some people, and and it's a niche enough thing that's cheap enough that most people can afford to have a nuance for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how many, I don't know about you, but I I know a couple of people that, man, as soon as they learned that you can grind coffee beans at home and drink the juice that comes out of them, (laughs) oh Lord, they're too good for Folgers now. Like, you know what I mean? And they have their particular guy that I was too good for Folgers even before I learned about that, but go on. (laughs) Yeah. But they have their particular person who roasts their beans the way they like them now. And that's what they do. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand what makes good coffee beans, good coffee beans. Um, if it's got caffeine in it, good enough for me. They make you feel more American. Anyway, go on. Okay. <laughs> um, South American maybe, but, um, at least it's not British. Go on. True. I don't know. Tea's pretty based. Um, different episode. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the equivalent would be your small time guy who takes a lot of tender loving care to squeeze out a minor profit margin on his $1,500 roaster. Mm-hmm. The the quote unquote right way for him to grow in line with the YouTube model would be to make enough money and then buy the better roaster and make slightly more. Mm-hmm. The wrong way would be cool. Now I'm now that I've got a lot of people buying my stuff and they they recognize my label and they buy me for the label is to then start just buying already pre-roasted coffee and just bagging it as my own. Right, or otherwise cheapen the process, right? Yeah, I'm going to start cutting it with sawdust or something like that to get my weights up or, or whatever, right? right? And, you know, the brand loyalty is built on quality, and but it can be sustained on marketing. And I think that's the core problem, Yeah, is that you can make up for good quality with good marketing. And while I think that people are getting better at sussing, like in the arms race of marketers versus the consumer, you know, I don't know. I think it'll always be kind of a battle, but I think that 
more people now are than ever are aware of marketing techniques. Yes. They, they're aware of how ads affect them and how, where ads are. And that, wait a minute is good example. I, I was talking to my mother the other day and she's not very in touch with the times, but she asked me about Raycon earbuds because they were of course a sponsored segment on one of her YouTube channels. She's like, yep. what are, are these actually, but the fact that she even knew to call me or bothered to ask me means that she doesn't trust the person that's hawking them to her, even though that person she's been watching their home cooking videos for years now, mm-hmm. she, you know, we all look at them and go, okay, we get it. You're, you're hawking the earbuds because you're getting paid. Cause they're paying you. Yeah. You're doing it for the money. Yeah. I get yes. it. And, and I feel the same way. I watch plenty of, you know, YouTube channels that they run sponsors and I don't feel bad about it. I'm like, Hey, make your money. Do you, if the marketing agency is foolish enough to put their money into you, take it you know don't don't look back um but i'm not going to be one of those people and and i've even i'm not going to be one of those people that believes that a product is good just because a person that i happen to watch on the internet says it's good or just even mentions the product yeah but i've also legitimately thought before like what you know if i would much rather just send you 35 dollars if you really needed it yeah. or just to appreciate your, like once a year, I'd rather just send you $35 than buy a $35 product of which you're going to get like a 10, 15% cut. Maybe, you know, or maybe none. You've been paid up front for the ad. Right. Right. So you've already been paid. You're good to go. You know? Um, so I don't know. I, I, I would hope yeah. that at some point we would get <clears throat> smart enough to realize that this is a marketing game and that would just not be a thing anymore. Cause that would be a beautiful critical mass to get to is people with that extra, you know, that we talked about before you you're, you're covering your self-sustaining good member of society budget. You know, you've got your income, you got your, you know, you've got expendable income and you do just give it away to people that do things that you like to do and pay them for entertaining you because you want to, not because you have to, and they're making you pay for it. Right. Yeah. I, I would love to see that become the norm where it's like oh yeah well i throw five bucks over to so-and-so's youtube channel because i watched a i've watched hundreds of hours of their videos which is wild i've watched more of their content than things i have paid 12 bucks a month to have access to mm-hmm. like that was a end of year my wife and i were looking at our end of year finances and we paid a couple of streaming services like hulu or whatever it's like 12 bucks a month Right. But I actually sat down and calculated how many hours of Hulu a month we both watched together. And then I looked at my YouTube analytics and realized, holy crap, I am getting so much value for nothing out of YouTube. It's costing me nothing. Like, why am I still paying for this other thing? Right. Just because they're asking me to, you know? So I think this year we're just going to go buy DVD box sets of the shows that we actually just rewatch a bunch of times as a one-time fee. And then I'm I'm probably just going to start throwing some more money out to content creators that I watch. Because I already do donate some money. Uh, I, I don't like the Patreon model because I feel I feel bad when I un-Patreon pay, Patreon myself. I've had to do that a couple of times mm-hmm. where I was paying Patreon for a couple of people. I was feeling real generous one month. And then there was a hard month back when I was a contractor. And it was like... Yikes. Sorry, I can't do this. Sorry, yeah. I can't. I feel really bad about it. And I know that they don't care. And a lot of them... Right. They don't even know who you are, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but you still feel bad being yeah. like, ooh, but you're still going to send me the videos under the YouTubes, right? Like... Right. Yeah. It's a weird... Yeah. You enter what feels like a personal relationship, but it isn't. 
it's not quite parasocial, but yeah, you feel like you're, it's, it's that other thing. It's the, whatever that, um, that reciprocation feeling, like mm-hmm. they talk about it in negotiations all the time where it's like, if, if you're doing sale, like people in sales in the sales tactic, they will like do something nice for you or give you something for free so that you feel like you need to do something back. Right. Like right. whatever that thing is in human psychology. Rapport. I don't think it's rapport. Not really? Yeah. There's a name for it. Um, that particular like human, uh, I need yeah. to reciprocate, you know, uh, to be fair and even, mm-hmm. um, Salespeople use that all the time. Like, oh, hey, no problem. Yeah, here, just take this. And here's a here's a five dollar coffee to sit down and talk to me, you know, and buy this car. <laughs> you right? Know I mean? Yeah, buy this thirty thousand dollar thing for me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and people do it. So yeah. I, I don't know. It it's, it's super weird. I just I don't know. <laughs> Are there any other things that people complain about doing it for the money for that you can think of? Hmm. Or any other interesting things? I think, I think those are all the things that, that I had, had thought of. Um, Ooh, one that we haven't talked about, but it's kind of related politicians. Hmm. Probably the person most you don't want doing it for the money that a hundred percent does it for the money. Yes. Hmm. What about politicians? Uh, politicians should not earn salary. Um, Why not? Because I've heard two things about this. I've heard the exact opposite of this is we should pay politicians a lot of money so that they don't feel the need to do the corruption thing. Uh, but they're going to do it anyway. Um, but why? If we pay them enough money to have a good life, you know? Uh, because they can always get more. By being corrupt, um, and uh, in 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 the words of Mr. Rockefeller himself, how much money is enough money? Just a little bit more. So, um, well, okay, but that kind of goes back on the thing we were saying earlier about how you know people wouldn't do something worse if they already had it. Like, what you would do, you know, how much money, how much money you have to make to not do something bad, you know there's a limit to it. I, just, I, but I think that the missing part of that is that uh, corruption doesn't feel bad when you're doing it. Right. It is what it is, you know? Yeah. So I think that would be the answer to that one. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure we weren't like mm-hmm. contradicting um, ourselves from earlier. Yeah. So now, yeah, of course now because corruption, there's ways that politicians would still find ways to make money. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But no, uh, you get to be in charge for X number of years. Uh, that's reward enough. Right. Well, and hear me out. I think we should just expect that you're going to do it to enrich yourself to some degree. But we should make it so that the process by which you're enriching yourself benefits people. Which, when you really think about what that actually means, go be a business. <laughs> right. Um, what are your thoughts on like the... Because we were talking about Historia Civilis earlier. One thing I, I, I always think is interesting is... They're talking about in Rome, someone in charge, right? Mm -hmm. So, good example. Roman holidays, festivals that were put on by arguably the government, but not really. Politicians would raise their own money 
to throw big parties for people to get votes. Mm -hmm. Like this was just a thing that they did. Politicians would also spend their own money on armies. Like if you were a general, you weren't given a budget from Rome to go make an army. No, you just had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You were usually given in charge. You were put in charge of a province and you would do what you needed to do with, you would make money yourself from being governor of a province and then you would use your own money to raise your own army to do the thing you needed to do to protect it or whatever Mm -hmm. you know um there was something kind of interesting about that was a lot of governing back then was if you wanted to be in charge cool pay people you want an army cool pay them yeah yep and that army lets you run the thing, which lets you have access to the right to collect taxes to then put back into your army. Whoever was better at that process got to be in charge. And I don't know. There's something simple about that. I still don't like it. I still don't like taxes. I don't like people raising armies to go take taxes to pay that army because it seems like a huge waste of money. Well, yeah. But at the same time, at least you know where it's coming from. I don't know. <laughs> Just saying. Like, uh, I also think that, like, a one thing that would be beneficial, I think, to see would be, again, it's a business thing. But, like, if, if we the people wanted something to happen, right, I think, what would be your thoughts? And this is, this may just be a tangent that leads into another episode at some point. But, like, what would a system be like that we voted, we all vote for this thing to happen, but... Instead of us electing people to represent us to then have... Because right now it's the representatives are the same people who come up with the plans, right? We elect the person, they come up with a plan, and then everyone else is elected representative and votes on that plan, including yours, and then vice versa. I think it would be way more interesting to have a system where people vote with their money in a way where you're essentially voting with your tax dollars where it's like, Hmm, well, I want to empower the government this much and you put money towards it. And then our money is pooled with the list of things that it has to be spent on. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to the people voting on it to not vote on how to do it, but to just do it and People go to them and say, okay, hey, I can yeah, do this gonna thing. we're going to do this. This opens up a budget for this. And then all the taxpayers can decide how much money goes into what budgets. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Kind of. But or more or less people saying like, we need, I want to vote for better roads. Well, how about instead of doing that, you just. Give more money to the give Department more of money Transportation. To the Department of Roads. Yeah. Or even better, uh, the proposition to improve the roads instead of having a bunch of people go argue about in governance about that. Why not a bunch of road companies go argue to say, Hey, we'll vote for my plan to build the roads because it's going to only cost X and the roads will get built. And if we all vote for a, cause, cause hear me out right now, if you over a politician who gives that money to, cause I hear people already saying like, yeah, but say you give it to the worst company because people are always going to vote for the thing with the least amount of money and they go do a terrible job at redoing the roads. Well, if a politician, politicians already do that, A. Yeah. Um, but B, if we don't like it, we don't go complain at the road company that built it. We go complain to the politician who's just going to go out of office later anyway. 
and then be replaced by another person who's just going to go give the money to the same people. Yeah. But imagine it wasn't the politician you're giving the money to. It was the company itself. So Mm -hmm. first time people go give money to this company, company builds the roads are all crap. So next time around, we all think the roads need to be rebuilt. Same company comes along and says, hey, you know, you can do my plan. I'm the cheapest. And we go, no. Hey, you had your chance. Yeah. We hate you because <laughs> you persisted because you're a company. You know, we're going to go with this other person instead because guess what? The county over voted and pay a little bit more for them. And, and they have great roads over there. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to do the same. You know, like, I don't know. I That to me would make way more sense is, you know, you just vote. Like, instead of electing officials to go make these decisions, you just elect the company that your tax dollars are going to go to to go do the thing that you want. Mm-hmm. You know, which in, in a nutshell, that's what the the politicians are doing, technically. But the problem is, is that, you, A, there's a lot of things your money goes to, which I think is part of the problem, is that you have no idea. It's just so ha- abstracted from you how your tax money is actually spent. Yeah. Exactly. Which is a part of the problem, but also, uh, if you don't like it, well, guess what? That person's going to be gone soon anyway. Cool. Well, I'm going to get a new guy who's going to do it better. They promise. And they don't. I don't know. Yeah. But now, politicians already do it for the money, and I think everyone knows that. They don't deserve a salary. Right. They already make plenty of money. I don't, I, name me and a And they poli- certainly shouldn't be able to choose their own salary. Certainly not. Man, imagine if it required... We should put the we should put it in the constitution what their salary is, so that way all the states have to go around and agree. That'd be hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll feel bad about it if you can find me a politician that made less money when they left office or left office poorer than they went in. Mm-hmm. I'll wait. This was fun. A bunch of random things about money. <laughs> what a great way to start the new year, indeed. Philosophers, philosophers if you like the music in this episode please check out jippy on bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com philosophers is supported by viewers like you if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description or in the comments below thank you for listening